Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. Oh my God. Could it be that we've had two in a row in one week? Oh my god, I must be getting organized. Or the Vodafone Comedy Festival may be going on in Dublin and I managed to get some people that were heading over. I myself am still in New York. The festival starts tonight and my next guest, Colin Quinn, is now in Ireland but I managed to talk to him last week, immediately after I talked to Mark Normand. At the Comedy Cellar, um, uh, before Colin had a show, he does these uh, shows on a Wednesday in the Fat Black Pussycat, which is part of the Comedy Cellar Comedy Complex. They're running three venues nowadays. Anyway, I was very excited to chat to Colin because, uh, well, I mean, I've been a fan of Colin Quinn since I was a young boy. I mean, you guys, most of our listeners wouldn't be aware of the show, Remote Control. It was like... To be honest, at the you know you wouldn't have thought it at the time because you weren't paying attention. But when you look back, it was kind of like the first of the silly, irreverent uh, comedy game shows. Uh, nothing like it had been done at the time, and uh, a guy hosted it called Ken Ober, and Colin was like the the sort of side guy, like the announcer guy. But he just used to make a lot of sarcastic comments. But he was very New York, and he was very didn't give a crap kind of an attitude. So um, I became a fan, would you believe, through that. Uh, but over the years, uh, I've followed his career because he's kind of like one of the more famous Irish-American comedians. And I went to see his show on Irish Wake on Broadway. We talk about it a bit in the chat, but it was a really interesting one-man show about the Irish-American experience. And uh, my aunt took me to see it. And it was the first time I realized that there was more to Colin Quinn than just the New York attitude and uh, throwaway jokes. Um, he doesn't like doing podcasts, actually, but he did this uh, as a favor, I guess, because he was heading to Ireland. So that was nice. Uh, I've been lucky in that he seems to have a real uh, respect for me having learned Chinese, which has uh, possibly also helped me to get... Colin to do the podcast. I mean, for the average Irish listener, you wouldn't be that excited about having Colin Quinn on the podcast, but that's only because his uh, his renowned and the sort of comedian's respect uh, hasn't spread across the water. So this is his first trip to Ireland, and this is a quick ch chat we had at the Comedy Cellar. Without further ado, Colin Quinn. Oh, God, it's gross. This one is multi-directional. All right. So Colin Quinn. Yes. Well, it's a real honor, you know? I mean, yes. you're such a nice, natural guy. So I've never had to sort of 
you know, be awkward around you. But you're no. one of the comedians I've known and admired the longest of all the people I've encountered in my comedy journey. Well, well I would hope so. Let's face it. If an Irish guy from Queens doesn't like me, <laughs> I'm really, then I'm I, really finished. I mean, I really am in your demographic. So le- yes, exactly. You know, Without so, you, I've got nothing. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, what, what have you done with all the others? What do you mean? The Italians and all them. Oh, yeah, care? I dismiss them all. I dismiss them all. Yeah, you, you, the problem with us is we have to grow up around them. That's what I say in Ireland. Yeah. I say, you guys have it easy. You're all pale and awkward. Right. We right? But you were surrounded everybody. by other pale and awkward people. We were surrounded by confident... Italian, black, everybody's got their little game, Puerto Rican. Yeah. Yeah, and they fucking hitting puberty at... At 11, yeah. Yeah, and I'm waiting for pubic hair at 14. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, I mean, it was harder for us. It was harder for us. Yeah, so anyway... Uh, Thank you for doing the podcast. You're going sure. to Ireland. Yes, I am. Which, I mean, I met you many years ago. I don't yeah. think you remember. And no, I don't. Nova, you have no recollection. But even back then, I remember you saying, I'd love to perform in Ireland. Yeah. How did, it's it, take really, this, how did it take this long? It's really insane. I don't know. Because my whole goal was to perform in Ireland. And I don't know what happened over the years, but it just became like this thing where I was not performing, you know? Oh, sure. No problem. Take yeah. your time. The, um... But um, yeah, it's just been this weird, weird thing. And like I think I told you, I even wrote my show. My, my first of the one-man shows was Long Story Short. It's about the history of the world. Because I said, everyone does Ireland, England, Europe. I've never done it. This is ridiculous. Every middle in the country had been over there by then. And I was never there, like Scandinavia. I said, that's it. I'm writing a show that's about the world. This way, for sure, I'll be there. Just didn't get booked. Really? Very strange. Long Story Short didn't get booked? No. Because I want to talk about that, but you say that was your first woman show, but I... I well, not my first, right. Because I saw an Irish wake on Broadway. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, my aunt took me. <laughs> now, I was a fan anyway, because I mean, I remembered yeah. you from Remote Control. Right, I mean, we right. don't have to go through like your whole thing. But right, right. As a kid, I watched you on Remote Control, which yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. is embarrassing to you. I mean, I hate... I, no, I, I'm fine with it. I don't care, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, you had the distinct voice, and you were right, like, right. kind of like... I smoked on TV. Yeah, you smoked on TV, and you were very like... Not the you weren't right. Ed McMahon anyway. No, exactly. Sure. You know, you very sarcastic and yeah, you weren't going like Alex. I was like the you know? anti uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, anti whatever that announcer guy. announcer guy. Yeah, and I had an obsession with Kyrie Roor. Oh uh, well, many people did. And you MTV, said you had a poster. Yes, I had a poster, and but MTV was it was different. I mean, it was the epicenter of our lives. Yes, it was. It was a whole different MTV. And remote control was one of the first like non-video. It was the first. Yeah, it was the first. Yeah. So that was like a huge thing. It was. And if you ask me right now to tell you what the game was, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Yeah, well, the game was just basically, now it sounds like a lot of shows do it, but back then, nobody did, like, all the questions about the Brady Bunch. It was all about pop culture yeah, in like the 70s and 80s. Thing. Sorry, I'm so, only just checking to make yeah. sure that we're recording. So it was all, like, 80s and 70s pop culture. So there were literally a channel on the Brady Bunch. It wasn't just questions. They had their own channel. And so it was a very pop culture thing, but mostly the, the more juvenile, the better. But it was everything. It was kind of a comment on the fact that we grew up watching all this nonsense and how we had it all in our heads. So it was kind of a brilliant idea. Yeah, and it at the time worked. I didn't appreciate it. Yeah, but then I, because I, like we, myself and my brothers plugged into you because we knew that you were like Irish American. Right, right. And and then I remember like one of the very first times I went to the comedy cell. I can't remember if I just started doing comedy for perhaps even before. Although it was probably after, because I was I only I started doing comedy when I was twenty one. But anyway, long, you show you walked on. I was like, "Holy shit! <laughs> it's the guy from Remote Control," you know. So it was like, right. So that 
I think you might be like the longest, the person I've known longer than anybody else in terms of an awareness of what right, I do right, right. that I have met. Sure. Because I met Chris Rock, but I was definitely aware of you before Chris Rock. Right, right, right. I mean, you must fucking resent that bastard fucking rising up so fast. No, Chris, I'm absolutely we started the same day almost. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm only kidding, of course. Yeah. Oh, you really? You guys started yeah, the same Yeah, we, we started together. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot I of... I know him for 30, yeah. 32 you have years. a lot of like high-profile contemporaries. Yes. Yeah. Um... But yeah, anyway, so that's why I was very excited when my aunt said, do you want to come and see an Irish wake? Right. Because for us, that was the yes. great Irish-American show. Yeah. Now, what happened? Because there was a huge gap between an Irish wake and then these other, those types of shows. I don't know. I mean, um, the, what happened was I went back to stand. I don't know what I was. I, I mean, the Irish wake, I should have kept running it. It was when I closed it. They go, uh, the box office guy, because I was going back to SNL, which I should have just kept doing the show. The box office guys go to me. They were like these Irish guys from that neighborhood. And they go, you're nuts. And I go, what do you mean? They go, this is every show's dream. They go, no show. This is the idea they have for every show where people leave and we sell more tickets on word of mouth after your show when people when it lets out. They go, you're crazy closing the show. But I didn't understand Broadway. I didn't understand that was such a big deal at the time. Yeah, and that it was a license to print money. Right, and that it was just such a prestigious And the longer it runs, the a prestigious better. Th- yes. yes. I could have took it on the road. I could have gone to Ireland with the Irish Wake. No, because it was great. It was a great Irish-American nice. story. Yeah. And I always remember the line of, uh, you know, we didn't talk about, we didn't talk about feelings. Somebody started talking about their emotions. We, we told them to walk around the, walk around the block. When they came back, they would talk about sports. Right, Some, right. Something like that. Yeah, right. right. It was a great show, though. But, but it's funny because you say you went back to stand-up, but why, does, why is that not stand-up? It like, is stand-up. I, that's what I don't it understand. It is stand-up. In America, I, there's always this classification. I know. It infuriates me. If you're telling stories, that's not stand-up. Right. No, it infuriates me. Then people say that. Yeah. Like, well, you're doing stand-up again. I was like, and that is all my shows is stand-up. But yeah, you but know. I feel like you flourish in that space. I like that space better, because stand up for me is fine. But I mean, I like doing you know, I like doing things with well, uh, because you, you get more. Because I love gigging in the comedy, so I love the yeah, me too. Spots, me but too. You don't have time to develop certain types no of, certain types of things that Irish people enjoy, which is thoughts like bigger thoughts. It's more of a thought thing, you know what I mean? Like that you can't develop. In yeah, the, yeah, or or create an atmosphere of the story and then get to the punchlines a little bit later. Right. I mean, I can tell you this is the first time I've done a podcast where we're actually getting like served. I know the really high level. I things are really getting fancy in my life right now. The cans, not even yeah, listen to the cans opening. I know it's it's almost like I have a producer that's doing sound effects. Yeah, so you know, I would be curious about how the Irish would respond to an Irish wake because the Irish, you know, the Irish are funny about Irish America. Right? Yeah, sure. No, it's like a mixed thing. Yeah. It is a mixed thing. It's uh, we just love them, and they have very mixed feelings about us. Yeah, what's your awareness of the? Well, I mean the plastic patties, and you know that's what they call plastic patty, and um, you know they just they don't like. You know, I can imagine a bunch of people going over there, going, "Hey, you know," and you know, my great great grandfather and all. Right, that. I mean, all that stuff. Those are the stereotypical jokes. Yes, but I, I mean, I think there's a respect for the, a certain type of Irish American, but there is also that. Inclination to dismiss it. Yes, I mean to dismiss the as a group, but I think they like that. Uh, they like seeing like Irish people, successful Irish people, despite the, uh, you know, the stereotype that every group has. 
which is they hate to see their own do well. Every group yeah. says that about themselves, by the That's way. That's right, yeah. Or, every, every, every group says, has tall poppies. <laughs> every, every group goes, oh, yeah, we hate to see ourselves rise up. But it's, uh, I think Irish people do like seeing Irish. I know I like seeing Irish. Like, look, Conor McGregor. I love Conor McGregor. Yeah. Just he's Irish. Yeah, right, yeah. That's part of it. That's all of it. What's the other part? That he's white? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't suggesting that, but oh. they, it seems to be becoming a discussion. <laughs> okay. No, no, not not our discussion. The the discussion in the media seems to have turned that way. Oh, really? You noticed racial? That? Well, yeah, it's getting racial. But that's because he's using an Irish expression when he says, "That's for me, boy." Like they don't understand. Irish I people know. say "boy" to yeah, everybody. That was unfortunate. But yeah, but everyone's that's what they say, "boy." Every go, they call everybody "boy." Yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah. brings that up because they like the drama. Instead of going, "No, that's like an Irish thing," like "Hey, pal." They call Absolutely. each other. Absolutely. I mean, it's dismissive, but not in a racial. No, way. it's what they say. Everybody call. Hey, what's my boy? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like dismissive rather. Yes, than exactly. Anything to do with. No, it's nothing. It's racial. Like, I don't give a fuck. But about But nobody it. wants to say that, even though it's true. Yeah. So, but I mean, on on another level, it's not something you have to think about when you're going to Ireland, because I, I mean, y- your act, your act doesn't rely on that whole no. Irish thing, especially no. nowadays. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. So it it, it doesn't matter for going over there, but it, I, I think it's just interesting in terms of. When I well, I mean, I was fourteen when I went there, but I know, I know, I was shocked. You were how non-accepting they were of us as a tribe. Really, <laughs> Yank. You know what they I mean? call you, Yank? Yank. Yank was my nickname. <laughs> Teachers called me Yank, but I'm not. But, but that's not a joke. That's I believe not, it. That's actually believe not a punchline. I believe the it. teachers call me Yank. Well, it should be a punchline. It's hilarious. Well, Father Butler used to tell me, Yank, one of these days that big mouth is going to get you in trouble. So I opened my first stand-up special <laughs> with a story about him. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, they call me Yank. Yeah. And did they test you out, make you fight and everything? Nah, nah. They, they, honestly, they were more intrigued than anything. So it, was, it, it wasn't a problem. I mean, being an well, American... It's like Irish people over here. We love a, Irish people's accents over here. Yeah, I mean, being an American wasn't a disadvantage. But right. the thing that surprised me was their lack of accepting that I was Irish. Right, no, we're not considered that. No way. Of course. Of course. Like, and I always find that weird when sometimes in a crowd, I'll say, any Irish people here? Right. And like, a good 30 people will be like, woo! And then I'll be like, where are you from? And they'll be like, Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, I didn't actually mean that. (laughs) So now I have to figure out how to find the the actual patty. You have to say anybody from Ireland here. Yeah, anybody from Ireland, yeah. Which is weird. I know. Anybody yeah. who was born in Ireland here. Yeah, anyone actually knows Ireland. Because even if you said from Ireland, they'd be like, Way! Yeah, like, yeah, 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 and then their grandparents. That could be funny, too, though. Yeah. So, um, oh, I was, a second ago, I was going to ask you something, and now it's it's gone out of my head. Oh, yeah. So, oh, because you went back to SNL. Yeah, because the Irish will be very excited about the uh, your SNL pedigree, too. You yeah. Know? I bet you they'll be pushing the shit out of that and all the publicity. Maybe. Yeah, because some things are like, some things land more to the Irish in terms of like their their awareness of what's what's in America. Right, right. Of course, like you well, say a tough one crowd, they won't get it. You say, I guess not. You know, where whereas like the American comedy fan would be like, you know, that's like they remember that. Show, right, of course. But just didn't run over there. Was SNL, even though they don't really watch it. Right, but they just, just aware know it of it as a, as a thing. Yeah. So was a- SNL was part of the reason why you sort of didn't continue doing your doing the Irish shows? week? Yeah. But then after that, tough crowd happened. So then I, that got in the way until 2004. And then after that, I just started doing stand-up. And I said, you know, and actually Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld, one day he goes to well, me. I was going to ask you about that. He goes, um, we have a breakfast. So we have breakfast all the time, you know. And then he goes, you should do another one of your one-man shows. He goes, if you do it, 
I'll produce it if you do not because he loved. Oh, so that's how it happened because I was. He loved you. Irish Wake. Right. He loved Irish Wake. He went to see Irish Wake when I did it in its infancy in like 1994 in L.A. He came 1994. He came to see it. He goes, "This show is amazing." He loved Irish Wake, so he always comes to see my stuff. You know what I mean? So when I did the other show, then he goes, "All right, I'll produce it." Yeah, because I feel like that was possibly part of uh, how you managed. Like that was known in Ireland that Jerry Seinfeld was producing this show. It was. Like, like do you think it helped uh, your to get it out there? Oh, the, uh, yes. HBO. I'd been trying to get HBO to come see me do stand up. I had a stand up set that I wanted to do for HBO for like three years. They sent like the third, fourth. Uh, fifth guy, you know. Yeah. Then the minute I was in the show, we didn't even invite them, and they came. Right. And said, "We'll do it." We didn't even ask them. They just showed up. The heads of HBO at the time, comedy. Just on the the. Just because celebrity Jerry, yeah, yes. So so yeah, I said had everything to do with it, you know. Well, lucky you. Yeah. But he produced the second one too. Then. No, second one was unconstitutional. I did that. Uh, oh right. I did that. I filmed that with New Wave. And then Netflix bought that as a uh, you know an ac- acquisition, whatever they call it. So when which you means the, I don't get paid. When you did the history of the world thing, what, what was that called? New Wave gets paid. I wonder if they paid New Wave. Um, history of the world that was called Long Story Short. A long Story Short. When you did that, was that just like you were like fucking? I'm gonna write a like a history thing because like Irish Wake was kind of personal. Yes, I know. And and I want to do the world because I'm always interested in like what's the problem with the world? You know what I mean? Like. What the fucking problem with the world? I'm always interested in that. Yeah, like everything I, I like it, it's one of those things that just gets you. We're like, how can it just be like this? How can it just be like this? How can it keep being like the same behavior? And, you know what I mean? And did you feel restricted by the necessity to do jokes? Not restricted because I feel like jokes are what makes me worth listening to. Yes. Like I feel like if I don't have jokes, then you listen to another. Half-assed, half-intelligent philosopher who thinks he knows more yeah, than he does. Yeah, yeah. But if I have my jokes, you're like, okay, that's why this guy's valuable because he can actually make a joke. Yeah, yeah, that's important, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, so, otherwise, it's false advertising. You know, advertise yourself as a philosopher if you want to be a philosopher. And was there any was there any part of that journey, like of looking at different parts of the world, that you just went, "Fuck, I just don't know if I can make this bit funny." I mean, I know um, you can just sure, pick, sure. I, mean, I know you can just pick the easy ones to make funny because you can talk about whatever the fuck. Yeah, you no, want. but I wanted to get everybody. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the Greece, Greeks. If I could do Greeks and Romans, I'd like to just do a whole show on Greeks and Romans. Yeah, I think they they could they They're could carry their so own show. So interesting. Now. They're so interesting. I think if you did Rome, you know, Rome is always so interesting to look at in terms yeah. of how you compare it to. Where we're at, well, today, we're at yeah, of how we repeated it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And Greece is really interesting to me, just because of the school of thought. But it's also very, uh, it's almost, believe it or not, politically incorrect to uh, revere Greece as like you can't, you know what I mean? Like to say it's this birthplace of civilization is like what? What are you talking about? How could you even think that way? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, what do they say? Mesopotamia, I Mesopotamia, mean, Egypt, and you know, and um. Just not Greece, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, they'll be knocking those statues down in no time. Well, I mean, if you're thinking about doing another show, I, I, I mean, I would think that the the fall of the Roman Empire, if you did it in a way that made it look like it was looking like, a little like today. Yeah, that's a, actually Political great. intrigue, the Senate. It's uh, a great idea. You know I mean? Just because you know you're I mean? good at that, that history thing. That's a good idea. 
Because that's my degree in college too. Oh, it is. That's why I I, I admired the, your your goes at the history. Oh, history thanks, stuff. thanks. And the New York one too. Yeah, yeah, the New York one was my baby, obviously. Now, you know. but Seinfeld produced that too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He directed it. Oh, he directed. Came in, he it. loved it. He wanted me to do that years ago because I'm always talking about every neighborhood. Like I know every neighborhood in New York, and I just go around. And I'm just obsessed with everything, immigration, every every yeah. ethnicity. I'm obsessed with all of it. You know. Me too. I annoy people. Well, what's funnier? than the fact that you grew up in Flushing, and now it's more Chinese than China. I, I mean, know. The Koreans moved out, right? The that's Koreans how, are gone. It's just China. That's how Chinese it is. The Koreans are too Chinese for them. Well, it was so interesting that the New York Times went with that story. They actually... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Did a story on me. They did? Saying how crazy it is that, that this guy goes to Ireland and what brings him back to Flushing is China. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Like, so they, they, they did go with that angle. They did? They did? Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. That's great. But I'm like you. I love the, the ethnicities and neighborhoods. Yes. And, I mean, to a degree, gentrification is kind of destroying that. Yes. But I mean, gentrification and, and immigration, as much as I hate to say it, they made the city, the boroughs yeah, it's better. Oh, it, Oh, they oh. made them better, but because I miss, of course, in in hindsight, in the rearview mirror, I loved New York growing up because I was a little kid. But it was violent and it was psychotic and it was falling apart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and the, the, yeah, the seventies. It was not 80s. a job. I mean, I knew a lot of people. A lot of bad stuff happened to, including Irish immigrants, and it was a it was no joke. You know what I mean? Like oh, like there was a uh, yeah, like brutal bad tough things city. happened. So you're yeah. a little older than me, so you were like more aware of it. Yes. Like I remember the Tompkins Square riots. I remember the Washington oh, Heights riots. Yeah. But I was young and I felt distant from it. Right. But I remember a lot. Where'd you grow up? Park Slope. Oh, you actually grew up there. Yes. And what was the demographics of Park Slope when you were growing up? There was Irish. There was Italian. There was Jewish. There was Black. There was Puerto Rican. It was very, very mixed. Very mixed. But it was what would you would you call it? Working class, middle class. It was working and middle class. Some poor. Every it was block to block, which a lot of the city was back then. Right. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. It was very mixed. I mean, I guess it was almost like. Uh, yeah, but it was nothing like it is today. Obviously. Well, obviously it was, now it's yeah. affluent. But it was it's very, beyond middle class. Now. Yeah, it was very. No, of course now it's one of the richest neighbors. But yeah, it was very mixed. Very mixed neighborhood. And you, you, your people didn't own brownstones or anything, did they? Yeah, we bought a brownstone for eleven thousand dollars. They borrowed money off my parents. Borrowed money off Uncle John. He was the bar owner, John Keeler. He had the bars, so everybody in the family would borrow money off him for your down payment for the house. <laughs> they bought a brownstone, and then we lived, uh, and it was eleven thousand. Right, and it was like nineteen sixty-six. Today, that would be worth. Probably, if we had kept it, which of course we sold it in the 80s, <laughs> oh. but if we had kept it, that would be worth $3 million. 
At least. Easy. At least, right. Three million from eleven thousand. But um but a yeah, fine we, return on your investment. And my family grew up my family's from Bay Ridge. My parents grew up in Bay Ridge. Oh. Because oh, we, we and our neighbors bar. have Bay Ridge connections. Yeah, yeah. Sullivan's. Yeah. Oh nice. The the bar uh ah, doesn't matter. There's a bar down there still that he has. Called Sullivan's? Tommy Sullivan. No. Oh, I can't remember Called the name. The Greenhouse. Called uh I'll tell you exactly. I'll name all the bars. Penny Feathers, uh what's the other place? Three uh Three Musketeer- Musketeers. Well, maybe it's that one. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But, but they were they were Bay Ridge Irish. Oh yeah, well they were off the boats. Oh yeah, but I mean I'm sure they know all my cousins live there. The Murphys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Mur- you have Murphy in you? Yeah, well, half Murphy, half Quinn. Yeah. But they're both from the north. No, my well, Monaghan is my mother's family's from. Uh, That's sort of on the border, right? Monaghan, they say in Ireland. Monaghan is that from the border? It's on the border. It's Ulster, but it's not in the in Northern Ireland. Oh. So it's the province of Ulster. They play in the Ulster Championship in the Gaelic. So that's Gaelic interesting. Yeah, they're from Monaghan, and then the other ones are from Belfast. Yeah. Yeah. So they're Ulster people. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. But so um, you went over there once. Yeah, I was there only for a day. Oh, I only was doing one day. Are oh, you doing the thing? I was there. No, I was just I was in England doing a show, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to Belfast for a day because my family's from here, and you know, it it meant so much. Like to my father, because my grandparents are, from, and I was like, it was so important to him. I was like, I'm gonna go check it out. You know, he read these diaries that they had, like the family had these diaries from when they were over there, and about the Protestants marching. And I read them, you know. And one of them was like, he goes, he's sending letters to his, not diaries, but like letters to his wife, you know. And he's like, I'm back here. I forgot how much I hate when they do their march and they were hitting those drums till their wrists bleed. And I was like, oh, wow. I could just feel the vibe, like 1921 and stuff. So where did 1920s. you see that? My uncle had written a letter. My father had these letters saved. Wow. And uh, from his from his uncle, or I guess it was my granduncle, from 1921, because his father was from there. You know, he had to leave, and and they were all they all worked on the docks like down there, you know. And but anyway, just the wrist bleed. I was like, oh. Wow. But anyway, so I wanted to go over there. So then I went for the day, because I was like, I'm going to Belfast. I went for one night. I just stayed over for one night by myself. Tried to get in touch with my cousins, couldn't find them. They lived somewhere in the Falls Road, but nobody called me back. I left some message at some number, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then I just went to like the local. I went to the Crown by myself. Then I went to some nightclub. Crown's lovely though, beautiful. Bar. Yeah, and I went and got fish and chips and hung out and uh, all night, you know, and just stayed up all night just by myself, walking around. But it's dangerous. It was like nineteen eighty nine or ninety. It was still very dangerous. Like I told you, I was walking down Falls Road and. You know, the kids are through, like four-year-old kids just like I saw on TV throwing the rocks at the tanks. Yeah, you know, the tanks. You were right in the middle of it then, yeah. Yeah, and they give it an evil look, you know, to the to everybody, like especially me. Like they don't know me, so they must know everybody's face. So like the soldiers were kind of looking like, who's this city? You know what I mean? Where's he from? You know? Were you into that? Because I was into it. Sure, like, I was. Before, I mean, I I only went to Ireland in 1990, but first I went first time I went up north was uh, the Easter of '91. I went to visit my cousins in County Down. But there was a part of me that was into the fact that there was still tanks. It's terrible in a way when you. Of think course, about it, it is. It's the thrill an, of a, yeah. There's an excitement to of it. Of course, it's it's that thrill of all of violence. You know, look, violence is. There's a reason every movie has like mafia murder because people get thrilled. Guys get thrilled by it. You know. Yeah. But we grew up thinking that that stuff was all right. <laughs> you know that. Well, I don't know about you, but of I, course, I, I'm assuming that it was the same. Yes, of course it was. Yeah. The Irish Americans like. 
I mean, yeah, when I went my to Ireland, father, I was shocked. My father, when he was alive, he went to, he was involved with some, because uh, like I said, North, the North meant a lot to him, I guess, because his yeah. father, his mother, you know, brother from Belfast. And, and he went over there a couple of times and stayed at, like, uh, one of the, maybe McCreesh or one of the Irish hunger strikers' houses. Oh, really? Yeah, no, he was involved with some organization, you know, whatever oh, those right. were. And he said they, were rubber, they shot rubber bullets at them, you know. Really? Yeah, because they're like, oh, these Yankees coming over here trying to, you yeah, know. assuming it's the money. So they were, yeah, and they was bringing them. I'm sure there was something. I'm sure there was a lot more involved than, you know. It wasn't I, exactly just a fact-finding mission, you know. I, I did a gig once for Sinn Féin, you know. Was that a, <laughs> oh, you did. an Irish language event? But the gig was in Stormont, you know, which was the... Fi- right, the, right. The ori- originally the, the, the... Prison. No, no, no. Stormont was the, the government. Oh, the parliament, right. But it right. was like a... A Protestant government, but now now it's the right. now it's the assembly and it's fine. But anyway, they were having this Irish language Irish dancing night, but they asked me to do ten minutes because I was learning the Irish language at the time. And I walked on stage, and my opening joke was, "Hey, how you doing? I'm an Irish American comedian, but don't worry, guys, I haven't come for our money back." I <laughs> got thank God they left. That's <laughs> funny. It could have went either way. Yeah, but that's a perfect <laughs> opening line. Yeah, it could have went either way. Yeah, I'm kidding, kidding me. Yeah, so they were, so he was so he was pretty deep into. Whatever that was, because of his family, you know, like they all had to leave. Yeah, my mother was the exact same. Her dad yeah. was from the north. We marched with County right. Down, and right. huge, yeah, huge sympathies for that. That's right. That they, side there of was it a, all. Oh, everybody. I mean, you know, it's a. Uh, it was amazing. But you then the Irish. Right that's here. another. That's another thing that is thrown back at us, the Irish Americans, is that we we loved the IRA. Of course, yeah. That's well, another, it's easy to you know. That's another way they dismiss us as not understanding Ireland. Which well, is it is enough. true. It's yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, uh, yeah, of course, because people glamorize that, and it's like, hey, we have to live with it, you know. Yes, exactly. You yeah. know, but you know, in hindsight, you go, of course. But at the time, you think. Yeah, but we were kids. I don't blame yeah. us. We were yeah, little exactly. kids. We're I was a kid when I was like fifteen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, the parents and grandparents. Yeah, but um, yeah. So, you're just going Ireland. You're just going to do stand up, right? You're not doing any. You're not doing any hours or anything, right? No, I think I'm just doing. I'm on strip shows. Then I was talking to somebody last night. And uh, it was like, no, you do like 10-minute sets. I was like, 10-minute sets? That's it? But, you know, whatever it is, it is. I'll see what it is. You know. No, it's not 10 minutes. It's 20, I think they're 20, 25-minute sets. That's good. That's better. You'll be able to... At least get my ch- teeth in a little bit. And what day are you going? Wednesday. Oh, you'll have a bit of time to... Yeah, my show's not till Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And you're but gonna, it'll be fine. You'll be in a tent. I know, you said tent shows. That's funny. I don't so think before, Irish people should be intense, by the way. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It's just, it's just a, too fucking wet. Yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't sound right to me. So you know, here's the last thing. As a, you know, I'm from Queens. Yes. But I, I've lived in Ireland for 27 yes. years, basically. And you know, I, I come back. Uh, like, even though I sound like a New Yorker still to people. Yes. Like I feel like this is like no longer. My city, right? Like, do you? I mean, you've always yeah. Stayed I feel here. that way too. I mean, I feel like I mean, obviously, it's our city. We know it is, but it's certainly not the New York that we remember. Like, I find it hard not to be bitter walking around. Do you? Do you have that experience? Or you're? Yeah, you're but not because it's New York. Just in general. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just a bitter guy. You know. <laughs> but I mean, uh, yeah, it has nothing to do with this city. No, I mean, but I guess it's just frustrating because it's. You know, it's less affordable. Like the less affordable, like I don't mean. I like know, that, but like, like I said, in a sense, like it's just not a working class city anymore. No, it's not. Not at all. No, there's none of those people. I always tell people, if you want New York accent, you go to Suffolk County, Long Island, yeah. or Florida. 
That's the only places where I hear it. I know. Well, that's interesting because I've talked to people about the death of the New York accent. Yes. Because people always say to me, it's like, well, you got a real New York accent. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because this is fucking New York. Right. But the only places I see it, or like, you know, like Chester, New York, like Middletown, you'll hear New York people. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. up there or Suffolk County or Florida. That's where it is. Yeah, I mean, you still get a bit of it in, in eastern Queens where I live. A little bit, yeah. Like, uh... You know, places like Great Neck and Douglaston, or those neighborhoods, or sorry, Little Neck and Douglaston. Yes. There's, there's still some people left. Sure. But, uh, and I'm sure you get some still in like Sunset Park, maybe? No, no. Bay no. Ridge. Bay, Bay Ridge you still bit, get? Yeah. yeah, a little bit of Bay Ridge, and, and but but for the most part, no. It's it's changed, you know what I mean? Well, it's a, it's a you know, most of those people have moved to the suburbs. I mean, yeah. they moved. I mean, they did move, so it's kind of like, it's not like they got forced out. They moved, and you know. Yeah. It's been happening since 1960, you know? So it's like, you can't just say, they weren't gentrified out. They moved on their yeah, own. they moved, know? yeah. Yeah. But, but that was because it was so bad. The city was bad. I mean, I loved it, but I was a kid. But I also glamorized it. And it, like I said, in the rearview mirror, it looks beautiful. But it was bad. Yeah, I mean, I grew, where we grew up was fine. Yeah. But, you know, we used to model as kids, you know? You did? <laughs> yeah, for Ford it's modeling. Great. But we were in the city every day. That's great. But I, I just thought it was fine. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't see the real dark side of it. Right. I mean, I, mean, I, I remember Bernie Getz, and I remember like right. the city falling apart. And I've seen the the documentary about the Bronx, and I know. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you could, oh, yeah. you could avoid it. You could avoid it to a certain extent, but you couldn't avoid it. Like if you moved here to be an actress, like if she moved here in 1980, 1981, like when I was bartending in the city, I knew a lot of the waitresses and and. It was tough. It was tough. A lot of shit happened that was very bad. And, and people just kind of sucked it up because it was such a brutal town. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it was bad. But it was... I remember stories. I'd be like, Jesus Christ. I mean, a lot of stories. Or I wouldn't even... I wouldn't bring it up. It was just a couple of people. But it was a, it was a given, almost. Yeah. But it's just the way all the... Like, all the the cities of big cities that have attracted workers they've all changed back to these a little bit exclusive yeah. places not all of them but they've, they've no I mean, but the new york uh, san francisco london sydney melbourne like these cities all over the world right, where right. you know i guess like the creatives and the right. money people are attracted to yeah that there was a demographic move back into the city Move out yeah. and then back. That's right. I remember in the early 90s when I started seeing downtowns getting developed, wherever I'd be on the road, like even, you know, Oh, yeah, you out doing the gigs. And you're like, oh, look, they're trying to build downtown just like New York, like Soho, you know. And I don't know how they ended up, but... But I think I think a lot of them have been successful. Though. Yeah, I, I think mean, so, Philly, too. Philly has been gentrified. Yeah. People moved back in. Yeah. But in L.A., everybody moved to that bum section downtown. Dublin's the same. Dublin's gotten unaffordable. Like, like, really? oh, like the destination cities, Berlin... Wow. They talk about the cost of living. Like, that's like a... See, people always say, oh, is it Giuliani? You know, Giuliani cleaned up the city. It's like, well, did he clean up London? Because it's fucking London's had right, the same experience. Right, 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 I think it's more demographics than anything else. Um, Yeah, no, but Giuliani did did do something. I was here for that, believe yeah. me. People don't want to give... Like, they've tried to... They're trying to rewrite history. He, The crime rate dropped... I know it was dropping everywhere, but it dropped in New York. It changed. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. something you don't like, like... Times Square, like I said, there's always that, oh, I love Taxi Driver, you know what I mean? But when I lived in it, I loved it because it was thrilling, but it was no place, it was not civilized, it was just, it was, it was anarchy, you know, Times Square, it was anarchy, it was bad. I mean, I I do remember that, I remember remember the end of Times Square. Yes, it was bad, people people would leave plays and run home, I mean, 
It was bad. I mean, when I first stopped drinking, it was at the end of that, 1995. Right, right. And when, it was when I first stopped drinking, I, I started to look for my kicks elsewhere. Of course. I'm and right I with used, you. I used to wander around Times Square. But of it was, course. It was, the, it was very much the, the very, very end. The boots. Yeah, the end of the <laughs> boots. I know. I was right there. <laughs> yeah, were you living there at that time? I was right there. Um, I was living in, uh, no, it's down in the village. Oh, you were in the village. But I mean, I would go to the booths and then, um, yeah, it was crazy. Those, yeah, the, yeah. You, you look for Yeah, they were a big addiction, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it, man. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, guys. I know Great you hate podcasts. I do, but I enjoyed this. Well, this is just like a conversation with a mic in your mouth. <laughs> yes, it was. It you was know? great. And uh, so you don't do, oh, you do do Twitter. Oh, yeah. You have a weird Twitter persona. Yes. What is that? It's kind of a. Uh, it's funny. I enjoy it, but it's, uh, it's, it's a, this, this aggressive. It a soccer mom, maybe. Uh, it's a very, you know. It's like a, the, the angry Colin Quinn. It's angry sometimes, but it's also like, you know, very tedious and boring. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a couple of today about Irish jokes I was going to do in Ireland and, you know. Oh, really? You started talking about Ireland? Yeah. So what is your Twitter? Uh, I am Colin Quinn. At I am Colin Quinn. Yeah. Go see Colin at the Vodafone yeah. Comedy Carnival. See me at the tent. And remember that he's proper Irish pedigree. And remember, this is only the beginning. If you think you're getting rid of me, if, the, if you think Ireland, if you think this is me doing three shows, and it's like, okay, I went to Ireland, I did comedy, that's sadly mistaken. I'm not, uh, I'm not one to leave. I'm like, uh, what's her name? And uh, you know, uh, Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. All right, so this I will is not the beginning be ignored. of a Fatal Attraction. I will not be ignored. Well, they, they look forward to being stalked by you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Des. That was great, man. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to Colin for taking part. And I hope that uh, people will go see Colin and everyone else at the Vodafone Comedy Festival, which starts tonight in Dublin. And I hope you guys get good weather. I didn't check the forecast. Good weather here in West Hampton Beach, Long Island, which is where I am residing for the summer. Uh, and doing a lot of driving in and out to the city but I think it's worth it the extra bit of driving for waking up on the beach and that is not to say that I don't miss you guys over there in Ireland Uh, and I'm aware that there are some people not in Ireland that are listening to this but uh, I think it's predominantly Irish people so I miss you guys and I will be back at the end of September doing two shows at the Driacht in Blanchardstown uh, recording a special, uh, which will be the best of the last two years of stand-up that I've been doing, and I think it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be a strong one, uh, and it, because it, well, the majority of this material has been performed all over the world. It has been well tried and tested. So I'm not sure when tickets are going on sale for that, but it's a cheap ticket, only 15 euros, and. Uh, I mean, I know often stand-up tapings are free, but this is completely self-financed. So there is a charge for the tickets, but it will be a great show. Um, And I think it's definitely worth 15 euros. So I will keep you updated when those tickets go on sale. Uh, I got to get... I got nobody else recorded, but I got to keep it going, guys. And I really am thankful to everybody who sent me messages and said... What's going on with the podcast? I like listening to podcasts when I'm jogging. You know, people like, you know, I've, I've been ill lately and I, the podcast gets me through an hour. So thank you to all those people who kept me under pressure. You know, I'm not married. And uh, 
So I require anonymous people to nag me to get me to do things in the absence of a, uh, a live-in nagger. Now, that, that sounds a bit negative, and I'm kidding, but I am a procrastinator, so I need people to poke me from time to time to get things done. Otherwise, I will just leave them be. Um, and I need deadlines, and because the podcast is just me, I don't have deadlines. And because we never, nobody's ever offered to sponsor us, by the way, so I don't even have a financial obligation to put the podcast up, but that's fine. I'm not complaining. So, anyway, I guess that's it, really. You know? Uh, we'll chat to you soon. I'm in New York, so it's New York-based comedians that I'll be interviewing. So if anybody has any suggestions, and there's no need to suggest Louis C.K., Chris Rock, you know, Kevin Hart. I'm not going to be getting, like, the massive comedians. I'm not dealing with the hassle of that anyway. So, but if you're down with the comedy scene or you listen to other podcasts and there's people you like listening to, you know, guys like Mark and accessible guys. Don't be afraid to send me some suggestions because I'm not aware of uh, who Irish people are familiar with over here. Um, so, yes, that's it. I uh, Yes, we'll chat soon. I miss you guys. Peace. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.